how many hours do we spend? And this is a rhetorical question. Uh, when it comes to communication skills in dealing with people having a bad day, the research on this is about four to six hours per academy in six months. You're listening to the Black and Blue Podcast, a discussion and celebration of the roles of African Americans and other minorities in U.S. law enforcement. Your host on the Black and Blue Podcast is Dale Peters, a law enforcement professional with over 20 years experience in the business. Hop on board this Black and Blue train of interviews, current events, and pop culture conversations. So get ready. The Black and Blue Podcast is coming at you right now. Hey, 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 Square Pegs, what's going on? Welcome back to the Interrogation Room. My name is Dale. I'm the host of the Black and Blue Podcast. Thank you for joining me here today on this episode. Uh, like I said before, I introduced somebody from uh, Sacramento earlier, and now I got another brother from Sacramento, the Sacramento area. I think something's going on with a little rivalry here between NoCal and SoCal. But anyway, my man here is a 16-year veteran of the Sacramento Police Department. Please help me welcome in Obed Magni. What's going on, brother? How's it going? Man, how you doing? How you doing? Happy Saturday. Uh, yes, I'm good. My Saturday's good, you know. Uh, it's a beautiful day outside, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm inside because I got some honeydews to do. But, you know, it's all good. It's, mm-hmm. it's all part of life, right? It's all part exactly. of love. Exactly, exactly. Right. Yeah. So how how you guys dealing with the COVID-19? That's the big topic of everybody around the world right now. Um. Well, personally, uh, I'm not going out anywhere. Uh, everything is closed, so... Uh, I'm just trying to maintain, just uh, trying to be safe, trying to be healthy. You know, I wear my mask everywhere I go. Anytime I step outside the house, you know, if I go shopping or anything, uh, you know, I wear gloves. I'm thinking I'm probably one of the few people that actually wears gloves. I try not to touch anything. Uh, But, you know, as far as that goes, you know, just trying to, you know, stay healthy. I did get tested last week. You know, I was negative. So, whew, good there. Yeah. Uh, Did you you have some sort of scare or or what was the test? You know, so... I had some really bad allergies and I'm thinking they're allergies, but then, you know, uh, with people talking about, they have different symptoms and things that they've been coming down with. I was like, well, you know, what if I have it and I'm just in denial You know, I don't want to wait till I'm like hooked up to a ventilator or something like that. So uh, why wouldn't I go and get tested? So, you know, I talked to my doctor went and got tested and uh, in the interest of disclosure, uh, <laughs> if anybody goes and get this test, uh, it's not a pleasant experience. Uh, they'll I've, stick I've that. heard. I've heard. Bro, let me tell you something, man. Let me tell you something. They had this swab, and they're like, yeah, we're going to put it on your nostrils, both your nostrils. And I'm like, yeah, it's no big deal. They're just going to go in there a little bit. No. They was all up in there, almost into the brain. Mm. Your boy was over here in tears. I'm talking Niagara oh. Falls on both of my <laughs> eyes. You know what I'm saying? I was falling. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I, I know, I know. Yeah, I know. So, we, uh, like, we get to the other side, and I'm like, uh, wait, wait, what? And yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah years fun. ago, uh, years ago, my department sent us to some tactical medical training, and uh, that's what they were pushing. This is like I don't know, about five, six years ago. Yeah. Sticking tubes up everybody's nose to help them breathe, mm-hmm. and uh, we had to do it in the class. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So then uh, after we all came back, we all, you know, whenever you get a man down, calls like. Stick a tube up his nose, just do it. You know, yeah, that, that wasn't fun. So like, if I had to go through it, you got to go through it. So I, I feel your pain, brother. I know. Yeah, like it yeah. makes you gag and cry and all that. Yeah, uh, yeah. But you wasn't know, I, my department, you know, uh, we're, we're, they're very good as far as like giving us PPE. So we've got more than enough gloves, more than enough hand sanitizers, uh, you know, N95 masks and so forth. So uh, thankfully, you know, there's no shortage, at least of you know where I'm working, of uh, you know equipment to protect ourselves. And I'm very, very, uh, very, very overly cautious so i'd be that officer you know with the mask and the goggles and the gloves yeah. you know and i'd okay. be like 15 feet away from everybody i don't go inside people's houses unless i absolutely have to it's like oh how about we come outside and talk i mean you can stay right there right. Oh, stay right here in your driveway <laughs> we'll talk you know yeah. so you know it's just uh you know those things are trying to be safe you know good deal good deal 
So I mentioned that you were a 16-year veteran of Sacramento PD. Um, what, what do you do over there now? So I'm uh, currently working in our patrol division. I work swing shift uh, in the area of South Sacramento. Um, so I've been doing that for a little bit. Uh, you know, I've worked in other various units in my 16-year career. I've worked as a school resource officer. Uh, back in the day when we had a narcotics unit, you know, I uh, worked there, you know, during the summers, or at least for a couple summers when, you know, school was out, you know, school resource officer. Uh, worked in our uh, professional standards unit. So that was the, you know, policy department of our department. And you know, I got to, you know, experience that part of the admin. I was on our SPOA board, uh, union board for three years. So I got to see that side of the department from the labor side. So, uh, you know, I've, uh, you know, got to see him a little bit here and there, you know, and I, I can't believe I'm even saying 16 years. It's like, I just got here yesterday. So I'm, yeah, I'm, originally, flies, huh? I'm originally from Boston, Massachusetts. And so, okay. uh, you know, you know, I'm a Haitian brother. You know, my parents are from Haiti. You know, I was first born in the United States. Nice. So, you know, I got that tropical blood in me, and I'm just like, hold up, wait a minute. Why, why, why are we out here in Boston? Why are we not in Miami? And, uh, and so, you know, I talked to my parents about this. They're just like, oh, you know, Haiti was too hot. And, of course, they were coming to the United States for a better life and so on and so forth. And uh, they lived in Miami, which is where I was born. And they were like, Miami was too hot. And they moved to Boston. I'm like, oh hell no, what? Boston? Come on, man, it's cold, it snows. You understand? Know I'm, I'm like, uh -huh. so I always knew whenever I was gonna find myself in a career, you know, law enforcement, it was gonna be in the state of Florida or in the state of California. Thankfully, I chose the state of California. You know, uh, so I've been there, you know, all 16 of my years here in Sacramento. Uh, it's been a great career. Been able to do a lot of different things, uh, which I'm sure we'll get into. I don't want to, uh, yeah. You know, give you the whole yeah, interview. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, 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 we'll definitely get there. We'll definitely get there. Yeah. So, uh, so what, what brought you to law enforcement in the first place? Had you always want to do that or uh, what's the story I, there? You know, so I don't know that it was, uh, I mean, I'm dating myself when I say this. So for some of the younger viewers, they're not going to know what, uh, TJ Hooker is, but TJ Hooker. Yeah. See, I see you laughing. So yeah. You know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. Yeah. So, you know, I used to love with the, with the bad toupee, with the bad toupee. Bad toupee. And then, you know, for those who don't know, he had the baton, you just throw the baton and then, you know, the bad guys would trip So, yeah. you know, so I've always had an interest in law enforcement, but, you know, for my Caribbean people, you know, who uh, understand this, when you come from a Haitian household or from a Caribbean household, your parents are telling you, this is what success looks like. You're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. There is no other options for careers or anything like that. So not that I ever saw myself as doing any one of those things. Uh, but, <clears throat> you know, as far as law enforcement, it was always there. There was always an interest there. But I didn't know uh, that I was going to be a police officer. I always wanted to be like a federal agent and travel, develop and travel, and so on and so forth. Um, but, you know, when I was in college, uh, third year in college, when I was almost graduating, uh, you know, a friend of mine talked about, hey, you know, why not, you know, put in for, for a career in law enforcement as a, you know, as a police officer. And so I applied, you know, several locations and SAC PD said, hey, come on down. And so while living in Boston still, I flew out here to Sacramento a couple of times during the application process. I won't tell you how much money your boy had to spend out of pocket. That whole time. Yeah, I, I could imagine that's some that's some money right there. It's <laughs> yeah, like a three thousand mile trip. Man, your boy spent some bread, you know, to make that happen. So, but you know, by the grace of God, that did happen. So I'm glad that I landed out here in Sacramento. And um, not that there's a rivalry thing, you know, for anybody listening. I do love Southern California. You know, there's no knock on NorCal. But uh, you know the yeah. scene down there. That, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm feeling so. I'm feeling San Diego and LA. Yeah, right down here. You know, not the same thing like Yeah, the the love is mutual because I love San Francisco. I love the Bay. Oh, I love you. the Bay. Absolutely. So we we go up there a couple times a year, two or three times a year. I love it up there. So yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah. Right. but uh, but how how do you get in? Uh, how how do you hear about Sacramento from Boston? I mean, what, oh, man, what's you, that about? Man, you know what? It even when I tell this story, it still sounds like I'm making this up. All right, so I'm sitting here in front of a computer, and I'm just like, mm. so I applied to CHP, but they had a hiring freeze at the time, and you know, I wasn't like drowning in money. Where I'm like, oh, you know, let me fly out here to San Diego. Oh, let me let me fly out here to San Francisco. So it wasn't really like that. 
I flew out to San Francisco because I initially applied with the University of California, San Francisco Police Department and never really heard back from them. And, you know, for anybody who's looking for a career in law enforcement, that is not unusual. If you apply to like four different, five different, 10 different places, you may have half of them not even respond to you or they just leave you hanging and, you know, you just got to keep it moving. But um, I literally just randomly picked Sacramento, no rhyme, no reason. Literally. Had you had you heard about it before? Or? I mean, I've heard of Sacramento, but you know, you got to remember yeah. when you know when you're on the East Coast, all of California is LA and San Diego, right? You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, yeah, it must be down the street. Oh, San Francisco must be like 30 minutes away from Los Angeles. You know, that's how we all think out there on the East Coast. Yeah. So I'm thinking everything's beaches and surfing and all that stuff. Not that I surf, I'm just saying, but uh, <laughs> you know, and I tried it once and it was terrible. I'm just leaving it at that. Yeah, but, no, you know, so, nope. I'm, I'm not out there neither. I, I feel you on that one. Yeah, I feel you on that yeah. one. Yeah, but, right. but I, but I, but I've always loved California, and I did a little digging in, you know, the retirement um, prospects and career opportunities and all that kind of stuff. And I just, there's no money in the state of Florida comparatively between the state of California if you compare it to Florida. And I got student loans that I got to be paying off. I still got some student loans I'm still paying off. Right. So you know, I'm, 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 I'm blessed. But three fifty which I guess is another podcast one of the day. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 50, I got in when I got in and I got my airtime. I bought five years of airtime before they took that away. Uh, so I, I, I lucked out. I got to be honest with yeah. you. This, this was God. God was like, man, I'm going to put you in Sacramento for a reason. So you know, that, that's, right. that's how yeah. that happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, since you're Haitian, is a... Uh, you know, you... Go to my job. Go to my job. Yeah. <laughs> But your but your your folks are in in Florida or where are they at now? So my parents are in Boston still. Uh, my dad, well, my parents are divorced, but my mother's in Boston. My dad's in Stoughton, and Stoughton's like right outside of uh, outside of Boston. My brother's in Miami, Florida, and my sister she's in Boston. So uh, okay. for the most part, all my cousins, everybody, everybody's out there on the East Coast. I'm out here dolo. So yeah, all by yourself, huh? I'm just like, man, y'all know the weather's nice, but you know, some people, you know, home is home and they can't get out. And I'm like, man, I couldn't get out fast enough. I I see snow and I'm like, oh God, it's like Superman yeah. kryptonite. It's like, oh no, no, yeah. no, don't bring the snow. Yeah, up there, up there in Sacramento too, you can drive to it and see it and then, and then I, come back. And guess what? I ain't driving to it. I still ain't driving to it. I'm like, oh, the snow's going, I'm not going in that direction. Right, right, oh, right, right. It's great. I'm straight. You I still like got people Haiti. in uh you still got people in Haiti? Yeah, some of my family still down there in Haiti. So hopefully have you have you been back? So I've been to Haiti once. This is uh so this is uh one of those things that I don't like to admit in public, but you know, I mean it is what it is. So I was there when I was like one years old and I've been dying to get back ever since. And you know, I've traveled to Brazil, to Costa Rica, Puerto Rico, I've been to the Dominican Republic a couple of times. So for whatever reason, I Haiti is. I've always been. I have not made it to Haiti, and I will be making it to Haiti. I, in fact, when I go to Haiti, um, my intention is to be there for a couple of weeks because I need to see and experience everything. Uh, right. You know, just with the history of you know the revolution. You know, I want to see the citadel. You know, that masterpiece in and of itself. Uh, you know, can I want to take up the oxygen with the. Uh, with the podcast and the history of uh, Haiti, but you know, there's just a lot of history down there, and I got to get back to, uh, you know, not just the roots, but seeing it, you know, firsthand, experiencing it. And I know that there's, you know, issues down there with poverty and um, even with crime and so on and so forth. And there could be an opportunity there to maybe collaborate with, uh, you know, some of the police departments down there and maybe helping them come into the 21st century with uh, some of the things that I'm doing. Uh, on the side, which I'm sure. We'll yeah. Yeah. And, and that leads us to, uh, what the things that you are doing on the side, uh, is, is that shirt, anything, uh, that you're wearing, anything to do with anything that you're doing on the side there? Uh, yes. And yes. So this uh, symbol here is from the black youth leadership project. So there's a group here in Sacramento that works with black children, uh, and giving them opportunities, not just in education, but career opportunities, college prep, so on and so forth. And they like to link up with black officers here in Sacramento and not just here in the Sacramento area. I mean, if you're in the Bay Area, you can still you know, get involved too. But, you know, we both know that police officers are not seen in a positive light, especially in our community. And, yep. you know, we could stay here and say, okay, screw those guys or those screw, we could stay in our silos and just keep things the same, you know, the way they are, or 
we can proactively get involved and change those things. So, <clears throat> you know, this symbol here, you know, uh, Miss Lorraine Pryor, uh, to tell her about this because she'll listen to the show now. Uh, you know, I'm very blessed to be involved with that organization. She does a lot of work with uh, these young kids, uh, bring them to the state capitol, introduce them to, you know, career aspirations, you know, whether it's politics, whether it's you want to be a judge or you want to be an attorney, defense attorney or prosecutor, it doesn't matter, police officers. But, you know, we also want them to know, hey, you don't have to be afraid of anybody in the uniform. You know, a guy like me is about as normal as they come. And a lot of us are normal. And people don't see that human side of police officers or that humanistic side. So, you know, being able to interact with the uh, children and now it's not like they see me as officer now, they're like, oh, that's Obed. You know, it's like one of their, one of their people, one of their brothers, sisters, one of their uncles, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, that's one of the great ways that we can break down that stereotype of, uh, you know, officers being a certain way or indifferent and those type of things. So there are some of us working to bring those positive uh, images into the community. So yeah, it's just yeah. one of many. The other, uh, I guess you could say is somewhat of a crown jewel. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be one of the co-founders of the American Society of Evidence-Based Policing. And this organization uh, infuses or pushes or advocates for research to be more in the DNA and what we do things in policing. So, you know, if you think about, for example, the American Medical Association or the American Psychological Association, some of those organizations, they put out the best practices or the best research on solving certain issues or certain problems. So if, as an example, uh, I want to get healthy or I want to lose weight, I will go with the guidelines that the AMA or, you know, a nutritionalist or, you know, some of those organizations that, you know, do research stuff, you know, to be better. Well, when you think about policing and there is no of the equivalent so, for example, we know in the crack cocaine epidemic of the 1980s, the 1970s, where, you know, Black folks in particular were just getting hemmed up left and right and getting locked up. And I'm not making this a controversial thing. I'm just trying to give you an example of what it is that we're doing. But, you know, we took a public safety approach in solving that problem. And what would have been better is more of a public health approach or maybe even a partnership in solving that problem, as we see today with the opioid crisis. And so with what it is that we do with the American Society of Evidence-Based Policing is we try to infuse or put out the practices and the methodologies that do no harm to any communities. So if you're looking to, you know, if you're a police chief and you're saying, hey, you know what, we have a burglary problem or we have a, you know, a social nuisance problem or we have, you know, an issue with trust in policing and legitimacy, you know, how do we solve this particular problem? How do we, if, you know, you're the police chief, you know, Mr. Peters, to a Chief Peters, you know, you're like, hey, you know what? I want us to have more of a relationship with our community. What is the best way to make that happen? I would look to the American Society of Evidence-Based Policing to push out what those research briefs are, which is what we do regularly. We put out research briefs on research that's out there with criminologists and other stakeholders. Uh, we put out a blog every month with people doing innovative things in their organizations. And it's not so much the hey, I heard uh, so-and-so is doing something down the street, so we're just going to replicate it. It's like, well, that could be one approach, but what is it that you're doing or what is it that's being done? And is it being measured in a way that has legitimacy? Uh, so I know I kind of gave you a lot over there, but that's, that's, a, that's what we're doing. We're basically trying to be the equivalent of the American Medical Association for Police so that mm-hmm. we do no harm to our communities. Yeah. That's good stuff. And are they are they based up in Sacramento or where are they? Uh, so I, I don't want to say we're relatively new. So we're having our third conference. I mean, we're having our uh, annual conference uh, next week virtually because uh, obviously the COVID thing canceled right. everything. We're going to have it in D.C. So if you go to AmericanSEBP.org and register, registration is free. Everybody can uh, get on there. Uh, so I hope everybody does sign up. But um. We're uh, technically the address of the organization is Washington, D.C., but we're all over the place. So me being one of the co-founders, I'm here in Sacramento. The president, uh, Renee Mitchell, she's in North Carolina. We've got people in, you know, Vallejo, uh, right up here in the Bay Area, Uh, people in Nashville. We're, We're basically an organization of everyone is everywhere. 
And uh, so, you know, then we have, you know, other people who are members and non-members include researchers, police chiefs, leaders in policing, other stakeholders, activists, that we, everybody, you know, working together to, you know, have policing work for everyone. Uh, so that again, like I said, we do no harm, not just in the community, but we no harm to the police officers too. You know, when it comes to officer safety, use of force, uh, de-escalation, um, you name it, you know, uh, we've got all that information that uh, we can, you know, we can give out. Yeah. <clears throat> and a lot of us are doing research, current research, uh, to inform, you know, the masses uh, on a lot of these things. So, yeah, what spurred you to uh, to get into that? How much time do I have? Did you say? Yeah, uh, we we got the time. We got the time. So I uh, think we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you, you, we we got some time. So, so I, so I have a doctorate degree in organization leadership. And when I was a second year doctoral student, and this was 2011, I came across this thing called emotional intelligence. And the more I learned about emotional intelligence, and this has more, and for those who don't know what emotional intelligence is, it's really controlling your emotions while managing the emotions of others and having a wherewithal and understanding people on a deeper level, as opposed to just what you see on the surface. And that's the easiest way for me to explain it like that. So this was the, oh my God, this is it. This is, this is what's missing in policing. This is why people hate police officers so much because they think we're indifferent and that we're always hard and then you know, so on and so forth. And if we could just communicate better, because that's one of the components of emotional intelligence, uh, people might like us more and they might understand us more and vice versa, we would have a better understanding of other people and we wouldn't find ourselves in situations where we misinterpret you know, in an event or anything like that. So fast forward a couple of years. So Dr. Renee Mitchell, uh, who also has her PhD, she uh, used to work for our department. She now works for RTI, which is a research institution in North Carolina. And so the two of us were talking and there were some other like-minded folks who were like, hey, how can we improve policing? And not from the standpoint of, you know, a political standpoint or from a, um, you know, from a standpoint of an of a interest group that's trying to get over on any, it was like, hey, we know that when surgery is being performed on a human body, whoever the surgeons are, they're going to use the most effective methodologies possible that's gonna ensure that that patient makes it through and recovers quickly and safely and so on and so forth. Why would we not have the same mentality in policing? So this is how myself, you know, Renee Mitchell, Jason Potts, uh, who's a you know captain at the Vallejo Police Department? You know we all and he, they're not the only ones. It's Rachel Tober down there in SoCal, and, and, and others. So we all kind of got together and you know we kind of formed this organization you know called the American Society of Evidence-Based Policing, and this is how we kind of got started. We had our first conference in Philadelphia. I'm sorry, the first conference was in Arizona. The second one was in Philadelphia. Third one was in Cincinnati. This one was going to be in DC, and then uh, you know now obviously we're, we're going to do it virtually, and we've been growing ever since, and so. That's basically the backbone or the ethos of the organization is there are a lot of people who don't trust police officers in certain communities, particularly black communities, right? Uh, mm -hmm. But there are other people who, you know, don't trust the police for other reasons. And so if we can communicate better, if we can show that there are better ways that you can achieve the same amount of success using the least amount of force or the, use of, or the least amount of um, you know, uh, presence or, or resources, why would we not implement those things? Right. So that's kind of like, how, I mean, we, again, I didn't know there were other people thinking this way too. We just, by happenstance, ran into each other and then that's kind of how we uh, ended up over here. Nice, nice, yeah. And you've been doing, sound like you've been doing a whole bunch of different things in that nature for, for a while now, right? Yeah, so right now I'm, all right, so <clears throat> emotional intelligence, I'll give this as an example. I'm going to ask you, know, let me ask you something, Mr. Hope. Yeah. How many police departments do we have here in the United States? Oh, hundreds, hundreds. If I were to ask you for an exact number, what would you say? I, I wouldn't be able to give you one. <laughs> I, would, I would say, I would say 1,142. I don't, I don't know. We have roughly 18,000 different oh. police departments here in the United States. I, I was off by a little bit. Just, just, just like one, two. Yeah. You know, it was no big deal, right? That, that, that makes sense, though, now, now that I think about it. Yeah, yeah. 
So you've got 18,000 police departments with 18,000 different policies, 18,000 different directions of, you know, 18,000 different cultures and how they do things and so on and so forth. So I could be a police department in, you know, here, and I'm doing all of the right things and I've got all this community trust, so on and so forth. And the neighboring agency next door can do the complete opposite and say, nope, we're going to do heavy enforcement. We're going to do whatever. We don't care if we don't, you know, create any kind of relationship with our communities and so on and so forth. And that agency will suffer no repercussions for their direction of uh, how they lead and so on and so forth. That's a problem because we both know something that happens in Detroit is going to affect the officers in Sacramento, which is going to affect the officers in Miami, which is going to affect the people in Georgia who are going to be seen in a place like Arizona. So the police are the police. Some people don't know that there's a difference in sheriffs and you know jurisdiction wise. They just right. see the badge and that's it. So if you've got 18,000 police officers doing 18,000 different things, there is no uniformity, but to a certain extent, right? And when it comes to the approach of whether or not it's, uh, you know, uh, inclusion, trust, and legitimacy in the communities, and so on and so forth. So I'm using emotional intelligence as an example, as just one example. 99% of our job as police officers, 99.9, I would argue, actually, is dealing with people who are probably having a bad day, people in the streets having a bad day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that runs the spectrum from one side to the other, okay? How many hours do we spend? And this is a rhetorical question. Uh, when it comes to communication skills in dealing with people having a bad day, right? the research on this is about four to six hours per academy in six months. Yeah, yeah, that that's nothing. How many that's hours... Nothing. How many hours do we spend on firearms training? How many hours do we spend on emergency vehicle operations, you know, driving code three, pursuit driving, so on and so forth, use of force? We basically spend, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't be spending time on firearms and so on and so forth, because those things are dangerous. And obviously, you know, we're in a position where we can take somebody's life if we feel like someone's life's in danger or our own in danger. And so those things are important, but we're training for worst case scenarios. But we don't put a premium on the front end of, hey, you know what? Little Susie's having a bad day because, you know what? Her parents lost their job and she's working four jobs. So I tried to help, you know, make ends meet. So because, you know, financial situations, she can't get her car registered. And so she had to go out and then now we stopping her and now we taking her car away from her and towing it. because she. So those dynamics, those nuances in our community specifically, right? When it comes to emotional intelligence, we don't do any type of training for that. None, virtually none, I should say. Right. So right. I'm in the middle of, so I just, I'm writing a couple articles on this right now uh, for peer review. And one is on the need for emotional intelligence in policing. Uh, and I'm doing another one, uh, looking at the literature across the board. And I'm talking globally worldwide on why is it that we don't have this kind of training in America? Because if you look outside the United States, you know, places like Nigeria, India, there's emotional intelligence training in their police officers going on, you know, <laughs> you can find that, you can find that literature. But Today. we're scant, yeah, but we're scant here in the United States. And so, you know, in addition to being a co-author with the American, I mean a co-author, uh, co-founder with the American Society of Evidence-Based Policing, you know, I'm a you know, former NIJ lead scholar. Uh, and for those who don't know, LEAD stands for Law Enforcement Advancing Data and Science. And this is where the National Institute of Justice recognizes 10 people each year, uh, you know, to be ambassadors and so on and so forth, to advocate for research and policing, people who are doing research in policing. And I think at this point, there've only been maybe 60 or 70 people recognized nationally and internationally as a lead scholar. And I've been blessed and privileged to say that I've been one of those people. But one of the things is that with that designation, there's a responsibility. And I want to mention two people's names. And one of them is uh, Deputy Chief Sean Barnes with the Salisbury Police Department in North Carolina and Deputy Chief Tarek McGuire, who's down there in Arlington, Texas. And these two brothers and I uh, took it upon ourselves because again, we have this platform and we're not going to squander it and let it you know, go to waste. We, we've got that right. You know what I'm saying? 
So what we were going to do before COVID was like, nah, we're going to put that in the back burner, you know, that stuff. Uh, we were going to do a 54, and we are still going to do this. This is not a, we're not doing, we're, we're still going to be doing this. Uh, we were going to do a 54 mile walk uh, from Selma to Montgomery to commemorate the uh, civil rights walk, uh, you know, from, from back in the day. And yes, we're going to yes. be doing some focus groups, uh, town hall meetings, where we're not just pitching, we're pushing for more legitimacy and policing when it comes to how do we increase community trust in with the police. And we're releasing a book later on this year, uh, talking about all this stuff. So, you know, some of us aren't bored on during quarantine time. You know, we out here writing, writing, and doing some more writing. Uh -huh. but, uh, these two brothers that uh, that I'm working with. You know, they're superstars in their own right. You know, Sean's doing all this work with, you know, community policing and community engagement down there in, you know, North Carolina. And, you know, Tarek, I mean, that brother's a national superstar, you know, just, you know, he's talking everywhere, dynamic speaker. Uh, he did some work at Howard University when he was a fellow with the International Association of Chiefs of Police, uh, you know, fellow, which is, a which is the largest organization in the world police organization in the world so you know he's been a great ambassador great representative uh you know that organization and so you know again these are the people that i'm working with and collaborating with uh it's not enough for us to say you know hey you know we need to do better no we're we're going above and beyond we're working on developing the research identifying the research and we're going to give a practical application of that research so we're not going to say hey you know uh Go out there and talk to the community and do that. You know, it's just like, yeah, anybody can do that. But we're going to give the specifics of what works, what we know to work, and what more research needs to be done to confirm or say, hey, there's some other things going on. Um, and I say this because you're familiar with the DARE, you're familiar with the DARE program, right? Yeah. What do you know about the Absolutely. DARE program? What, what do you know about the DARE program, sir? I remember that was cops trying to get kids to stay away from drugs. Was it successful? Would you say? Uh, I, I would think it would. I mean, it, it worked for me. It was a disaster. It worked for me. You're yeah. an anecdotal example. I, that don't count. Yeah. I, I remember the say nope to dope yep. and ug the drugs. I remember Nancy Reagan saying that. So, yeah. you know, me, me maybe me, you know, I'm an aberration maybe. But yeah, yeah. yeah. No, and, and, I'm not, and, I'm, from. Yeah, and I'm not saying that, you know, from a negative uh, standpoint with a negative connotation. Yeah. What I'm saying is that, you know, the idea that a police officer can come into a school and talk to kids about not doing drugs, that, who would say that's a bad idea, right? right, right Nobody would say, right. you know what, no, that doesn't sound like we should not do that whatsoever. You know, it's a feel-good thing, and I think it's a great approach. One of the things people make the mistake of is if you try something and it doesn't work, it's like, oh, just scrap it. It's just, no. So for those who don't know, uh, listening to this, the D.A.R.E. program uh I won't get lost into the weeds with the details, but yeah, a police officer comes in and talks about stay away from drugs because X, Y, and Z, you know, you're likely to be a failure in life, et cetera, et cetera. So Indiana University, the American Psychological Association did research on, well, you know what, let's take a look at some of this data of the students who went through this program and let's look at the data of the students who did not go through the program. And it had what's called a backfire effect. And a backfire effect is it actually did more harm than good. The students who were in the D.A.R.E. program, those who participated, were more likely to land in the criminal justice system than those who were not in the program. So, so. And why, so, do, you, why do you think that is? There's, there could be multiple reasons. It could be, hey, you know what? You're telling me not to do this thing, so now I might want to do it. You know, there's, a, there's, a, there's many reasons that could, you know, that, that lead to that. You know what I'm saying? But the point is, is that if you're introducing a program and if you're not, and this is why I'm such a big proponent of research, is that you can do something that feels good, but if at the end of the day, or while this is being implemented, you're actually doing more harm. If, you, if you're implementing a program that's going to land kids in jail, would you say, yeah, you know what, we should keep doing that? Of course not. Nobody's going to say that. So right. I use the DARE program as just one example, because there's many, many examples. And, you know, we at the American Society of Evidence-Based Policing, these are the things that we try to talk about. You know, you might have a program or something that you might think, yeah, this is good because et cetera, but you, you're, you're, looking at the out, you're looking at the output or the outcomes. You're not looking at, you know, the damage being done in the middle, you know, or if there yeah. is any damage being done in the middle. So, 
that's why we're such a, that's why, like I said, you know, Sean and Tarek, myself, you know, those of us at the ASADP, you know, we're big proponents of let's not do what feels good. Let's do what works. And let's make sure right. what it is that we do that works doesn't do harm to the communities and it keeps options safe. Absolutely. Yeah, I would think that, uh, you know, you would get the evidence from programs that, you, that you're implementing and things that aren't working, you either tweak them or you scrap them along the way. So I do these yeah. presentations, right? Uh, it's evidence-based policing 101. Uh, so one of the slides that I have, so yes, I like to drink alcohol for those who uh, didn't know or who was wondering, okay? <laughs> okay, yeah. This I is, was wondering. Hey, I'm just saying, I mean, after this <laughs> okay, uh, podcast, okay. I may or may not have this Tito's waiting for me, but you know, that's another story for another day. Yeah, that's, another, that's another podcast. Yes, yeah, another podcast. So I'm using Tito's as an example. If you like cranberry vodka, right? And you make it the first time because you've never had cranberry vodka. And let's say you put in too much juice and you don't taste the alcohol. Do you say, oh, cranberry vodka is the, you know, this is just too sweet and you just toss it and then you don't try it again? No. Okay, this isn't that good. So maybe you put in a little bit more Tito's. And you try to, it's, so you're basically working on finding that equilibrium. Research is the same way. So with the DARE program, do you completely scrap it because you see that you have a backfire effect? Oh, look at, that was a great question you asked. You look at the nuances. What are some of those variables? <clears throat> the kids who aren't finding themselves in the criminal justice system, is it because they were told from an early age, yeah, 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 this is out here, but you know what? As long as you're responsible, you, you'll be okay. Is it the officer coming in and telling you no, 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 and then it's a resentment towards authority, so you're going to do what you want. And so you, you have to figure out what that is, you know? Yeah, and yeah. so that, again, I, I know I don't know it's kind of like apples and oranges, but it's no different. It's like you try something, if it's falling short or whatever, find out what those nuances are, try it again, see if it works. If not, if you're not right where you're supposed to be, work on it some more. So it's all of those things. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's that's... That's definitely true. Definitely true. You got to research, tweak, and keep it moving. Keep it right, moving. Right, right. And remember, yeah. your, your, your number one, uh, you know, the number one mantra is you don't want to do harm to the community. And I say that because, and I cannot heart that enough, because if you look at all of the research institutions, if you look at all of academia, all of the, you know, schools, whether it's Arizona State University, UMass, Boston, whatever it is, all of these institutions have what's called an IRB, and that's the Institutional Review Board. Researchers can't even start their research until a board looks at all of the potential damages or the potential harm that it can do to, and this is in the medical field also. This is not just academia. This is the medical field too. You can't even start any research unless somebody or a board, I should say, not somebody, a board says, you know what, um, have you considered this and this? Because this could, you know, these are some of the, you know, backfire effects. How do you account for that? You have to account for those things, you know? So again, yeah. when we talk about policing with the 18,000 police departments doing 18,000 different things, we don't have an institutional review board to say, hey, that's probably not a good idea. You know, you right. should probably not do that because you are doing more harm than good and so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah. Well, you sound like a busy man. You got a lot of a lot of balls up in the air. A lot of things yeah. on your plate. I can't juggle. Yeah. I can't juggle. If you if you saw me juggling, man, it's a <laughs> disaster. It's just... Well, it, it sounds like you're doing it though. Sounds yeah, like you're doing I, it. Somebody's got to. Somebody. Sub, got subconsciously, to. you're doing it. What well, what's the plans uh, for the future for you? Next five years or so. Uh, so uh, retirement. I'm seven years away from retirement. So. I'm actively working on my exit plan as we speak with the stuff that I'm doing right now. So I don't know that I'm ever not going to be working. Uh, you know, again, I'm fortunate and I'm blessed to be a police officer and doing this stuff at the same time. Uh, but obviously I can't be doing this job forever. And, you know, what I want to do, uh, I guess you'd say when I retire is continue to advocate, push for research, do research, to make the policing profession better than when I came on, you know? Uh, so, you know, whether it's consulting, you know, I have my own consulting business that I'm trying to get off the ground. And again, this is one of those, I mean, I got to sleep at some point during the week, right? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, right. So, so I'm working on a lot of these things and <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I'm just going to, you know, continue to do the Lord's work out here and, you know, try to be the best officer that I can, try to be the best example 
that I can, you know, especially for, you know, young black and brown folks who, you know, that may not see, you know, policing as a potential, you know, career choice. And, you know, one of the things that we talk about is, well, you know, if you want to be the difference, I mean, if you want to see the change, be the difference you want to see in your community. Be, be you the know? difference. Be the difference. Yeah. Yeah. You doing uh I know with your with your project there, uh with with your kids that you that you're mentoring, uh do you see a lot of them have an interest in law enforcement or that you, you know, or some that you really got to kind of coax and, and let them, let them know what law enforcement is about so that they can pique that interest a little bit. So the answer is yes and no. And <clears throat> when those, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, if you don't remember anything from this podcast, if there's one thing you've got to take away is that it is always about relationships. It's always about relationships. To that kid who would have never considered a career in law enforcement, and that's, you know, some of these young brothers that I'm talking to, they're just like, you know, F the police, I ain't, I ain't doing that, you crazy. This, You know, you've got to understand where their constructs are coming from. They may have grown up where all they saw was police officers kicking in doors, roughing people up or whatever. Yep. Like, that's their image. It's like, y'all are occupiers, y'all are the bad guys. You're not going to change that young man's mind in 30 seconds or in a five-minute interaction. That ain't going to happen. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So it's no different than any relationship, whether you're married or whatever. It's like it takes time over time. So having that relationship, sustaining that relationship, making sure that that relationship is fostered. That's why I'm wearing this shirt right here, you know, is because unless you're in that kid's life, regularly because a lot of these kids don't have families i mean not families they don't have you know maybe a father in the home or maybe a, mo a mother in the home or a responsible adult in the home. you know they just match the kids or whatever it's just you have to know that with the limited time that you have you want to set and you want to be that positive that positive image for them so that they can see themselves in you i'm trying to make it sexy to not just be a police officer but be educated at the same time Mm -hmm. you see what i'm saying like yeah you don't have to just be a police officer and then that's your life no you want to go get your master's degree you want to go get your law degree do hey i'll be the first one there to support you i'll be your number one cheerleader absolutely because guess what if you get hurt on the job and you got to medically retire you know sir as promised i do there's some people who've had yep. to medically retire that didn't see it coming and now they're like oh what am i doing with my life what do I do then, now? Yep. Yeah, you got to have an exit or transition strategy. That's thinking four, five, six steps ahead. You know, uh, this isn't a job where, you know, you a white collar job, so to speak, where, you, you know, you walk into an office and you get to go home nine to five every day. No, sometimes, you know what? Stuff happens and, you know, you may not come home. Or if you're lucky enough to come home, you may come home hurt. You've got to have a plan for that, you know? So whether or not, again, whether it's, you want to have your own travel agency or what, work on those things while you're at work so that, you know, you don't find yourself in a position where should you find yourself leaving earlier than you expected, uh, you're looking around like, oh, now what do I do in my life, you know? And that's one of the reasons why, you know, a lot of officers commit suicide when they, you know, when their careers are over is because, you know, they, they no longer have that purpose or they don't know what their purpose in life is or they never developed, right. you know, whether you want to raise cattle or you want to ranch out. That's not my thing. I'm a city slicker. But I'm just saying, <laughs> whatever, whatever your niche is, you know, go out there and do you and make sure you don't wait till that day. Start working on that today. I tell these young cats all the time. I mean, right now we're in the middle of a global pandemic and you already start to see some of these municipalities, some of these agencies start to lay off public employees. We already went through this in 2008. And I tell these young guys, I'm like, hey, you're good now, but this is not guaranteed. Look out for yourself. You know what I'm saying? If you're a basket weaver, if you want to be the best basket weaver ever, hey, start working on those skills. You know what? If you want to work some overtime to help pay for a class that will help you start your business and you want to start going on legal Zoom, do, do, make sure you get on that. You know, right. this is going back to the me setting that example. It's like my weekends, I don't even know what a weekend is. You know what I'm saying? I've got a research paper. My, the, the article that I was just telling you about, I've already gone through a couple edits and my best editing is done when I'm like doing it on paper. That's sitting right here to my right. That's what I'm going to be doing because it's that important to me. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. turn up a little bit later and all that stuff. And all that. I got to make sure my priorities are taken care of first. And you got to make sure in life, you know, whether it's policing or whatever you're doing, you got to make sure you take care of you first. 
no you know, doubt. you don't, you're in work, you're in, you're into a world of hurt, you know. So that's why I commend you in doing this, you know, this podcast that you got going on here. You know, I mean, yeah. I'm thinking about doing my own podcast, and I'm like, I don't know where to start. I don't know. I, I, I'm looking at you like, okay, this is how you do it. You get that. Now you know. Now you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, my, my background's not as sexy as yours, but you know what I'm saying. It's uh, you know, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got a lot of balls in the air too. You know, I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, I DJ on the side. I'm working on my masters. Just about done with my masters. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's it. You know, hey, hey, let me see. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. If we don't lift ourselves up, if we don't support each other, and like I said, if you ever talk to Sean or if you ever talk to Tarek, man, you'll hear the same thing from them too. You know, we're all like three peas in the pods. I mean, it's just like we have to big up. We have to support each other. If we don't, ain't nobody else doing it for us. You know right. what I'm saying? So yeah, definitely. I'm right yeah. there with you. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Yeah. So what's uh what's uh you know like the admin, the promotional opportunities, uh what they look like for Sacramento PD as far as African Americans, Latinos, Asians, uh, LGBTQs in uh in Sacramento PD and in the Bay, uh, uh, in, in general. Well, I can't really speak for the Bay Area. Um, <laughs> I have this thing about Sacramento's technically not Bay. Some people are claiming it is the Bay. I'm like, yeah, well, where's, where's yeah, the it's not. You guys are about an hour, hour north yeah. of. Uh, no, nah, it's yeah. uh, hold on, it's uh, but that, that's what I'm saying. It's like, is is uh, is Vacaville, for example, which is like west of here. It's like, is that considered the line? I don't know what the line. Is. I I consider okay. Sacramento Central California. That's okay. It. But that's a, you know, like I said, another podcast for another day, right? Um, so the opportunities are there. You know, if uh, people want to, like, the numbers are not what we want them to be. Uh, I'd be lying to you if I said that, you know, our demographics reflect our community and they don't. Um, but, you know, again, that's still no excuse to not try. And one of the things in our department, for example, is so thankful. I wouldn't say thankfully, I don't know if that's the right word, but we're starting to see more of a representation of what Sacramento actually looks like within our ranks. But a lot of these officers are really, really young. I would even say the majority of the officers, uh, the young officers, I know you, um, I know that you talked to one recently. Uh, I mean, we're talking, these guys have like five years or less on, you know what I'm saying? So the future looks better. It looks good, you know, but th- I'll be gone by then. So, uh, yeah. But, you know, that's not to say that I'm not supporting them now, but I still wouldn't support them in retirement. You know what I'm saying? So the opportunities are there. But, you know, in the meantime, I mean, there's one brother working in detectives. We got other people working in specialty units. Uh, and this goes back again to the representation and why that's important, too, is, you know, if we got somebody in our group or somebody, you know, who looked like us that work in, I don't know, let's say sexual assaults or something like that. I'm just making this up. You know, if I have a question about that, I know I can always hit that brother up like, hey, here's what I got. Am I doing everything I'm supposed to be doing? And is there anything that I should be doing that help make this investigation go smoothly or any loose ends? So it's good to know that we all support each other in that sense. Not that we couldn't get that from other officers and so on and so forth. But again, I'd be lying to if I said every single person I've reached out to or every other person that I know who've reached out to others have always helped them. You know, so. Sure, yeah. So it's always important and it's always nice to know that you got people that you can trust and be like, you know what, I know that whoever I talk to about this issue or whatever it is, they're going to give me an honest answer and they're going to give me the best options to make a decision to, you know, move forward. So as far as like, you know, promotions and all that stuff, I mean, we've had, you know, sergeants and, you know, others of the LGBTQ promote, obviously we got a black chief, Uh, you know, he's been there for, you know, uh, for a few years. Uh, so, So again, the numbers are not, still representative of the city but you know we're working on getting there so um and again you know that's you know again i try to do my part to represent the organization well and you know not just psych but all the other organizations because again i this isn't about me this this transcends me you know there's a young brother there's a young dale peters out there looking at me who i don't even know and he's like i want to be like that young man right there or i want to be like that person over there you know you got to make sure you know Mm -hmm. when you work in there's eyes on you that they, they, they ain't paying attention to, you know? Right. And, yeah. And so you got to make sure you do what you do to represent them well, you know? And, 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 that, and that's what I try to preach, you know, when I'm out there talking to the young, young people out there, you know, that we got to, we got to uh, do for what we can for what, for each other, you know? Yeah. So I try to set the example for them. 
uh, when I'm out on the street, that's what part of this podcast is about, you know, letting them see me and other officers that look like them mm-hmm. um, so that maybe they can say, hey, you know, I wouldn't mind doing that in the future, too. You know, I, yeah. he looks like me. If he if he could do it, I can do it, too. So absolutely. Know, that's, that's what we all trying to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. This, I mean, I could have said that better myself. All right. So, uh, you know, I appreciate you coming on. You you gave me up a, a lot of good info, man. A lot of yeah, good man. stuff. Uh, tell, tell the people again how to how to reach the organizations that you're involved with. All right. So the American Society of Evidence-Based Policing. And so the website is American, common spelling, S like Sam, E like Edward, B like boy, P like Paul, evidence-based policing. Yeah. Dot org. I'm only like, I, yeah. I have to write it out for yeah, Remember your right? phonetic alphabet <laughs> there, man. <laughs> I'm not at work. I'm doing the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. So, yeah. Um, and as far as like, you know, me goes, uh, you know, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, uh, OBZ. So that's O B E E Z E E E. So it's two E's, Z, three E's. Uh, so you can follow me there. Uh, you know, I do a lot of, uh, I push a lot of the stuff that, uh, you know, we put out as far as like, you know, research and that kind of stuff. Uh, so <clears throat> um, if you ever want to hit me up on an email, you know, obed at American sebp.org uh, so yeah it, you, yeah I'm, I'm pretty easy to find i'm not yeah i'm not i'm not and do you and do you do any public speaking you yeah I, yeah i've uh i've yeah i'm all over the place and like i said covid though it was like yeah so we, we, we're gonna need you to stay home for a little bit so right. i still do some stuff via zoom uh you know i taught a couple classes uh via zoom in one school out there in the bay area and i'm going to be doing a guest lecture for another school in north carolina soon um, but, uh, yeah, if you, yeah, just hit me up. If you ever need me to talk to, if you're, if you're an educator, you need me to talk to some of your students about something, or if you're in policing and you're looking for ways to, you know, improve, you know, some of the organizational leadership aspects, you know, depending on whatever that is, you know, if I can't help you, I know people who can help you. Uh, but, <clears throat> you know, again, I'm, you know, doing my best to introduce, um, emotional intelligence and of those soft skills, you know, de-escalation, those type of things into the profession because yep. it's grossly needed, grossly, grossly needed. So uh, you can help me or some of my colleagues out. Um, I'm here for you. So just holla right. at a brother. Holla at a yep. brother. Yeah, yeah, with the, with the Haitian accent too. Yeah, love that. Love that, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right, over here, before I let you go, though, uh, I got a little little something I like to play with my guests here. So let me set this up for you so that you can see what I see. All right, no doubt, no doubt. So this game is called... Uh, black or blue? 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 All right, so this game is called Black or Blue. It's really simple. I'm going to... Your, your category today is all things being equal. That means everything. It's just all things. Right. Just right. things, right? Yep. I'm going to describe a, a thing, and you tell me what that thing is. It's either a black thing or it's a blue thing. Right. Uh, I'll give you I'll give you a hint if it's black or blue, but you, you just tell me what it is, all right? Sounds all right. simple, right? Let's do it. All right, let, let's see how it is, Mr. Educator. Here we go. Uh, this substance is mined and burned to power machines. It's Tell black. Me. This substance is mined and burned to power machines. It's a black substance. Huh. I'm gonna say it's a black thing. Yeah, it is a black thing, but uh, you were supposed I... to say it's coal, so I'm gonna give that to you. It's coal. Okay, I got it, got it, got it. All right, so, so, so tell me what this thing is. All right, your next thing here. Yeah. This is the region of the atmosphere and outer space that can be seen on the earth. The ozone. Uh, close. This is blue. Let, let me let me tell you these colors here. This is blue. Whatever you're going to be describing. This okay. this is the region of the atmosphere and outer space that can be seen from the Earth. It's blue. What is it? You got me. I don't know. Oh Aww. man, it's the sky, man. Oh come on, <laughs> it's the sky. It's the sky. sky. Come on. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here we go. Here we Re- redeem yourself. All right, all right, all right. This large black animal had a political group and a superhero named after it. Oh, I'm going to guess it's Black Panther. It's a Panther. Yeah, yeah. You kind of saw that in there. 
technical difficulties. We got that. We got I, it I, I actually would have gotten that. That one I would have got. Yeah, that was kind of easy. How about this one? This candy, this black candy, is made from a root extract of plant and is usually consumed in long, chewy ropes. All right, so I got beef. With, beef. Um, oh. I, yeah, I got, no, no, I know the answer. But before I get the answer, I have beef with people about this because Twizzlers trumps red vines. Uh, I know you're talking about the black vines, but Twizzlers is where it's at. Yeah. Red vines and black vines are not food. Okay? They're not. That is plastic. That is like poison. Poison. Yeah, there you go. Uh, black licorice. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. I can't, just looking at that, just put. All right, I got that off your screen real quick. All, all, right. Right, all, right, all right, all right. This is blue. This is blue. This clothing item is usually made of denim. Some people uh, believe they can be worn multiple times before washing. So say that one more time. Uh, this clothing item, this is blue. This clothing item is usually made of denim. Some people believe they can be worn multiple times before washing. Yeah. I don't know. Jeans? Come on. Yeah, you said jeans, right? Blue jeans. Blue jeans. Okay, they can be wool too. Right? Yeah, a few, few more, a few more, a few more here. Uh, this substance is commonly used in roofing and asphalt. And it's black. Roofing and asphalt. Uh, this black substance is commonly used in roofing and asphalt. Oh, come on, man. Tar. Tar. Yeah, I, I guess you, you didn't study these things here. No, How about uh, okay, a couple more? A couple more. This is blue. Okay, this animal is a passerine bird of the Cordovay family. It is native to North America. It lives mostly in eastern and central parts of the United States and Canada, and a Canadian professional sports team uses it as its mascot. Oh, you said it's a, a baseball team, not a hockey team. Yes. Yeah, uh, okay, this is, a, this is a bird. It's a Blue Jays. Blue Jays, yeah, see? There we go. And uh, this Did one you say, wait, wait, Did you say that was blue? Because that's black yeah. and blue. <laughs> no, blue. this is blue. Yeah, this is blue. Blue Jays. Man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge, the, or let's go back and look at that picture. I see black and I see blue. <laughs> you do. <laughs> you do say it, but but the name of it is called a blue jay. Yeah, yeah. So, so <laughs> always starting some. Always starting some. I'm just trying to have fun with you too, because you get me. Yeah. <laughs> two more, two more, and we get you yeah, out of here. No doubt. This company has a logo. This company has a blue logo of a single lowercase letter. A blue logo of a lowercase letter. Yes. Really popular. I'd say iPhone or the uh, I. Did that count? Nah, nah. No. Blue. Facebook. Uh, come on, brother. Come on. Last one. Last one. Here we go. Bring it up. Bring it out on a, on a high note. Okay. Don't judge me. For those listening, don't <laughs> judge me. <laughs> this arachnid, this arachnid goes by the scientific name of Lotrodectus and is known for its females killing and eating their males after mating. Oh, jeez, we already know this one. If, yeah, this one would be Black Widow. Black Widow, yeah, you know that one. You yeah, know that one. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. there's yeah, some but, human Black know, Widows out there, too. So, you know. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. But uh, you know what, my man? You, you got more wrong than you got right. So, yeah, uh, well, you know, I appreciate that. Thank you for yeah. that. <laughs> uh, uh, and we back. We back. All right, hold up. Uh, I think that was revenge on the uh, how many police departments we have in the United States. He's like, oh, let me get yeah, this yeah, brother back. Let me get this brother back. That's exactly what that was. <laughs> that's exactly what that was. But. Was the jet program successful? What you, oh, 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 that was oh, you go for keeping notes. He's like, oh, let me get this dude. I got you. Paul. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, payback uh, is a B, right? Payback is a B, right? <laughs> All right, my man. So I appreciate you coming on, though, man. Uh, It it was a lot of fun, man. No doubt. uh, doubt. Yeah. So you you stay you stay safe up there, and uh, you know, wear your mask, 
Wear your gloves. Yeah. Yep, all yep. that, you know. Absolutely. Wash your hands. Always, wash your hands. Always washing the hands. And that's why I'd be ashy when you be seeing me, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, you see a black man's hands and it ain't ashy, he ain't washing his hands. <laughs> for real, for real. <laughs> All right, brother, man. I appreciate you, man. We'll talk soon, okay? You have a good one, sir. All right, you too, man. Peace. Yep, peace. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for this episode of the Black and Blue Podcast. I want to thank my guest on this episode, Dr. Obed Magney of the Sacramento, California Police Department for joining me here today. It was truly a fun and educational experience, so I appreciate you, sir. And if you guys out there appreciate this kind of content as well, Make sure you like and subscribe to the show on the Black and Blue Podcast YouTube channel or whatever podcast platform you hear my voice today. I'll be back next week with another fun-filled episode. Same black time, same black channel. But till then, y'all know what to do. Stay black in blue. I'll holla at you. Peace. This has been a Matrix Entertainment presentation.